0: welcome to live let thrive a podcast about the airbnb life the share economy and everything in between here are your hosts micah
1: and steve
2: hello hello hello
1: and welcome back to another exciting episode of live let
2: thrive what's up micah man
1: i'm good how you doing stevie stacks
2: (sighs) ah doing good man it's been a minute
1: it's been a while
2: We've both been doing our hustle and yeah. so, yeah, but we got to get some shows in, man. Yeah, we definitely do. People what need to hear awesome? hear this stuff. We're on episode 133 of your favorite, Airbnb, VRBO, HomeAway, Uber, Lyft, all that stuff, podcast, Share economy coming at you from Fort Worth, Texas. And Arlington. And, and Arlington.
1: We have some special guests from Florida. What is it? Florida and New York. Florida and New York. Uh, we have Betsy Pepine. And Maria McNeese, let's welcome them to the show. Woo!
2: All right, I'm gonna read a little piece. It's like, well, it's almost like a novel. A little, you know, little novel <laughs> on Betsy's Betsy's bio. She sent me a cool, a cool thing. Um, okay, Betsy Pepin. As a single mother of two in the midst of the real estate recession, Betsy founded Pepin Realty with no expressed interest in building a company. Betsy worked to service her customers and build a brand of excellence in the community. Working quietly from her home for several years, Betsy built an independent brokerage that quickly became one of the top in the country. Other realtors took notice and, jo- and asked to join her. And long and before long, Pepin Realty was a full-fledged company working out of offices in quotes aka bedrooms inside betsy's house recognizing the need to either go big or go home betsy decided to go big with the vision of building a company of professional full-time real estate agents that raise the bar in marketing customer service and philanthropy i think that's a good lead-in right there because you, you talk about a, a bunch of other stuff but we're going to get into that on the episode welcome betsy and maria her daughter which maria specializes in the short-term aspect of uh, real estate. So yeah, it's gonna be an action-packed show.
1: Oh, awesome, okay. So, I guess starting off, since you're, you're you, do you both do short-term or just you, Maria? We both do. We both do, okay. So wh- where are your short-term rentals located?
0: So, so for
3: my mom, my mom has um, short-term rentals out in St. Augustine Beach. We have condos and houses. We also have a single-family house in Gainesville, Florida, which is in North Central Florida. Um, but I am managing listings in Gainesville and the, and the beaches in St. Augustine and also down in Winter Haven, Florida.
1: Wow. So they're all in, all in Florida? Yes, all Florida. Okay.
2: And y'all, and y'all own these properties?
0: We We own... All We own 10 properties that we Airbnb and short-term rental out, um, but
3: Maria property manages for other folks as well.
2: Oh, nice. And how many um, how many people do you property manage for?
3: I have 10 listings right now, um, some of which are my mom's. I manage all of my mom's listings with along with my sister who couldn't be on the podcast tonight because she's in Australia right now. Um, but we help her manage her portfolio. And then I also manage two additional ones for other hosts who just have one and need a little extra help on the day-to-day operations
2: oh cool so you uh what, what brought you into the the whole short-term rental game
0: It you know, it's kind of by accident we had decided on the real i am a real estate broker and we decided to open up an office in st augustine which is about an hour and a half from us that's where the people in Gainesville, when they want to go on a short vacation they go to st augustine beach and so we decided to open up a physical office there for the real estate sales and the building that we chose happened to have a um, on the bottom was the office and above it was a three bedroom two and a half bath house beautiful right on a1a and initially when we bought the unit or the property we thought we would just vacation there as a family but we didn't use it that much and so we thought let's try airbnb that was in i think end of 2016 early 2017 so we just tried it and um hadn't really thought about doing it you know any than that but Right after that, coincidentally, or maybe not so coincidentally, um, we hired an agent, a really young guy right out of college, who was from France, and his parents set him up with four Airbnbs in Gainesville, and we met him because he, he called me to sell one of the Airbnb properties, and it was a historic home in downtown Gainesville that his he and his parents had converted into four one bedroom, one bath units that he was Airbnb. And I had never seen that before, converting a house into four different units. And I was very intrigued by it. He showed me the numbers and I was like, wow, this is really cool to be able to do this in my hometown. So once he joined us and um, I picked his brain a little bit, then we started adding to our portfolio and now we're up to 10.
2: Nice. Yeah. He just jumped right in.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's, you know, <laughs> it's so flexible and um, I don't know. There's so many positive things about it that we've enjoyed. So we can, we see ourselves continue to grow that end of the business.
2: Oh, that's cool. Uh, I was going to ask, cause you said uh, you, ha- you own a brokerage, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. And real, uh, just, just to help our listeners out, what is the difference between a broker and an agent?
0: That's a great question. Mm-hmm. And it kind of varies by state, but in our state of Florida, when you get your real estate license, um, and and we, all, we actually always ask people, what's the difference between a sales associate and an agent? Because the public believes they're the same thing. Um, and excuse me, a sales associate and a realtor. Sales associate means you have your real estate license. A realtor is a subset of sales associates that have decided to abide by the realtor code of ethics. And um, they have to get education um, consistently to make sure that they abide by those rules. And they would be brought up. Um, against a board if they were to violate one of those rules. So that's the difference between a sales associate and a realtor. The difference in our state between a realtor and a broker is the realtor has the license and has decided to abide by the realtor code of ethics. The broker, once you have your license for two years, you are allowed to get your, and sit for the broker exam. You cannot get your broker exam before you've been in business for at least two years. So if you want to sit for the broker exam and you pass it, you become what they call a broker associate. Then if you start your own company, you're called a broker.
2: Oh, okay, so, cool. Yeah. And um, so what made you wanna be a broker as opposed just to like an agent?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I had been in the business for about five years and I loved real estate. I had, This was a second career for me, um, wasn't expecting to go into real estate. But I just, um, I was frustrated by how long it takes for things to get come to fruition. So if you have an idea and you want to implement it in the market, if you're with a franchise, it can take a long time and a lot of people before you get the right approval to be able to do things. And I really wanted to be able to try things very quickly and move on um, and have that kind of independence and freedom. So that was the main reason why I decided to go out on my own. And I really didn't have an agenda of building a company. I just knew that I wanted to be able to control um, mainly my marketing. I have a background in marketing and I just wanted to create, to uh, manage that creative flow more independently than I could if I was working under somebody.
2: Nice, I like that. Plus you could put other people to work for you, right?
0: Yeah, but honestly that wasn't the goal at the time. You know, that that really wasn't at all, but yes, you can.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you guys said you have uh, rentals in Gainesville, right? Yes. That that is where the Florida Gators play, right? It is.
0: You know, it is. And um it was funny you should say that because the last property we purchased, I went under contract in February of this year. It's right, it's a mile from campus. And I called it Gator Nest. And we closed March Mm first. And COVID obviously hit. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like I was expecting, I bought it. This was our first house that we're trying to short term. do a short term rental in Gainesville, and I assumed it was going to, I was going to market it to traveling professors, parents visiting their kids, graduations, all these U.S. sporting events, and then COVID hit, and I was like, oh my goodness, so we, it was actually great because it hit, and we were shut down in our county, we couldn't, we could not, um, we could not accept anything um, under 30 days of rent. So we didn't open until May, but that was nice because I got the house ready to open. So I didn't really lose that much time. And it's been pretty, uh, we, have, we run about an 80% occupancy and we're finding surprisingly, people are booking it mainly to go, we're, we're in the heart of all of the natural springs and um, scuba diving. And so people are looking to get away and we've now become a house for that. So it hasn't impacted us so far,
1: um, knock on wood. <laughs> that's where my question was kind of going: is how is it impacted? But that's cool, and that's the thing about it with Airbnb, with short-term rentals and Airbnbs, you may be getting it for hey, let's get the campus, but you never know what else is going on in the town, and it just starts booming. That's that's what happened to a couple of mines. So that, that's that's really cool. Nice,
2: yeah. So, so Maria, what brought you into the family business?
3: Um, I've always kind of taken an interest in real estate um kind of growing up seeing my mom build her business was really exciting to me as a kid um and when i went to college i went to a university in atlanta there's a big firm out there called mark spain real estate so i ended up getting uh on their team and working with them uh came up to new york the next year and was working with some uh, brokerages up here uh and just really enjoyed seeing the different Aspects of real estate, and when I saw my mom kind of branch out into short-term rentals, I took a similar interest and wanted to see how I could provide service to hosts um, as somebody who didn't have the ability to, you know, create my own, you know, buy my own home and do it myself. So uh, that's kind of how I found my niche and like getting my way into the STR market.
2: So, do you are you um, planning on doing like a house hack or something?
3: I don't know. We're gonna see. Everything is very uncertain right now with my goals, but. Um, I just launched a property management company and we'll see how that works as I build my portfolio with more listing soon.
2: So, so I saw that. You, it's like a co-hosting property management company, correct?
3: Right. So some hosts want to be, uh, have somebody as a co-host to help manage all guest communications, schedule cleanings, order maintenance requests, whatever. Um, some just want somebody else to list their property for them. Um, or some even just want somebody to like impersonate them on their own Airbnb site to help manage the operations. Um, so it's essentially a, a service for me to help uh, hosts kind of take off some of those operational duties.
2: Now, do you help set up the units also?
3: Yeah. So, um, I kind of have clients in two buckets, one of which like my mom, very experienced Airbnb, um, like very experienced with Airbnb, knows about permits, knows how to get it set up. The other, um, client pool is very new, maybe has one property that they're looking to get up and don't, doesn't really know how to do it. Um, so I can help them, you know, find the local permits in their area and get it set up as well.
2: And, And like furnished and everything.
3: I've never had a unit that was unfurnished at the time I came on the team, um, but in the future I can see that as a possibility, and I could help furnish the unit as well.
2: Well, uh, there's there's a there's a method to my madness while I'm asking all these questions because currently, you know, I, the Airbnbs I've had, you know, in the past, I've I've you know furnished them and then got them up and running, done everything myself, right? And um, so what I'm what I'm going through now. No, okay. So my question was, see. I'm asking you all these questions because right now I'm going from being someone that's set up my own Airbnbs to running it day to day, everything, every single question from the guest. If something's a problem, I get it handled. To now I'm trying to go that route with having someone else run it for me. And um, I'm sitting here twiddling my thumbs because I'm like, you know, I want to do something. But I mean, I I see this as like a, a great way to scale for me trying to go hands off on it and trying to let, and, and these people, they know, you know, they know what they're doing. Hopefully they know what they're doing. And <laughs> so they're setting it up for me. I'm paying a fee for that. And then the, they're doing the, the coat, they're coasting, they're doing the, they're going to run everything for me. They're going to talk to the guests and handle all the cleanings and charge like a 15% fee. And so I'm just, I guess, I guess um, you've worked with clients that are new to new to Airbnb, and have you worked with ones that have done it before and and trying something like that out and. and Is it hard hard to work with people that are like, I don't want to give give away control of my baby, you know?
3: Yes, yes. Um, My mom and I were just having this discussion earlier because sometimes it can be difficult for my mom to feel like she's off in terms of (laughs) the property management. But I always like to say, like, my services are to allow hosts to be as hands-off as they want to be. Um, Like, I have a client, I just took her on this week who you know she did airbnb a couple of years ago but she's renting out homes in her personal home it's really impersonal to her she wants to be kind of involved and only wants help on a couple of things um and then i have other guests or other hosts that just want to be completely hands off they want to build their business build their portfolio and just collect a check at the end of the week most hosts kind of fall in the middle um and my job is to kind of assess what those needs specifically are and then offer offer some support um so i have taken on listings from people like my mom who you know have have been doing it like my mom had you know 10 listings that she was managing on her own before my sister and i began to help um and managing that control can be a little bit tricky at first but uh, the ultimate goal is to make it so it's a it's a mutually beneficial situation and people don't have to be bogged down by you know guests asking what the check-in code is
2: so mom was it easier easy for you to let go of the reins and let your daughter do it all
0: Um, We started, I'm I'm a big proponent of Baby Steps, and so I, um, we have eight of our units are in one condo complex, they're they're oceanfront units in St. Augustine, and so I put a unit in each of their names, and then they each manage those properties, and um, it was, it was very nice so that I could see how they manage the properties, and then once I was comfortable with them managing one, then we could expand. And so um, Elena, who's in Australia right now studying in school, she manages two, and then Maria manages the rest. Um, so yes, I think baby steps really helped. Um, and I was, I still appeared on the, um, as a co-host, so I could check in occasionally and make sure that, um, um, that everything was going okay. And I, I think the other thing you can do is just make sure that your incentives are aligned. So Maria and I talked initially, like, Okay, do you bonus for a five star review? Do you bonus for um if she gets cuz we moved off we created our own website with covid cuz we were very upset how the OTAs were treating us so we have our own booking site now and we've got we're in the process of collecting those bookings and my goal was in the next year to have 80% of our bookings coming directly to us. So we now, I bonus Maria on every direct booking she gets. So, you know, bonusing on thing, be, behaviors that you want to see, I think can really help you be more comfortable when you give up that control.
2: That's, that's a pretty cool concept right there. Yeah, doing the bonus approach, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Michael, you got any questions? I'm taking over the interview here. Oh
1: no, I'm, I'm, about to, I'm over here loading up because I like <laughs> what they're doing. You're, you're asking questions to make sure you're not gonna annoy your uh, new co-host, right?
2: Uh, but, yeah. I I probably already am. I probably already am annoying them. But that's what I was like I'm like trying to keep my um micromanaging, you know, stuff at bay and it's hard. It's it's kind of hard.
1: Uh, but I was going to ask you so cuz you said you have rentals in St Augustine and you said you're also moving to the direct booking route which is the best thing to do. Um so h- how did the St Augustine market do during COVID? Is it has it bounced back fully or is it slowly going up? How how's so, that? It I mean, the floodgates opened the day the governor allowed us, or actually the local
0: county and the governor allowed us to open up again, and we have we have a 98% occupancy rate. Um, it is crazy, and we've been able to raise our rates. So if we don't even see that slowing down, normally you'll have a slow season once school gets back into session, but because that <laughs> is quite vague at the moment, um, we're not seeing a slowdown at all. Um, and I don't anticipate, even on the real estate side, um, for the next year, year and a half, I think we're gonna be fine while people sort this COVID thing out. What we're seeing is people wanting to take shorter and more um, mini vacations. They're not gonna you know, save for Europe, they're gonna to go to the beach three or four times. And so I think that we're great, I mean, ironically, just greatly positioned for what's happening right now in our, um, in our nation.
3: Yeah, we've we've seen a lot of last minute bookings, which has been surprising. I mean, people with dealing with the uncertainty, they're not gonna, you know, as usual book their vacation three four months out. They might book it for next week because they got the clearance from their job and things. So we have seen a little bit of changes in terms of our data, like our reservation trends. But overall, we've still maintained high occupancy rates, which has been great. St. Augustine is hard to um, hard to feel like it's a wonderful place to be during COVID. People want to escape, so it's an easy sell.
1: another thing so okay and and this is going to go towards the direct bookings that you guys are going and so what percentage are you guys at for direct bookings now and how are you marketing to go for the to get people to directly book with you and what systems are you using
0: so we just launched it um it took me covid hit in february march took me a couple months to realize this is you know i didn't realize what everybody was going to do to us and so Uh, And then I I wouldn't recommend this, but I did hire somebody overseas to create my website and I would never do that again. So it took 10 weeks to build the website, Mm. you know, so that's crazy. So we just launched it maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago. So I would say, I don't even 5% of our bookings right now, Maria, are direct booking. But what we did was um, we um, downloaded. So on VRBO, you can get email addresses and phone numbers. So I had my daughter in Australia um, create a database of that, of all of our, you know, for the last three or four years. Then on Airbnb, we have phone numbers. So she created a database for that. And we're going to use slick text and do a mass, you know, email campaign campaign or texting campaign. And then we're also going to do constant contact and do email campaigns. Then in every unit, we have flyers that they can take that show our direct booking site, our Instagram site, and our Facebook site. Um, And then we're going to put them on an email drip campaign once they leave and check out so that they're going to get messaging from us at least once a month. And Marie is also doing that for us. So she's in charge of the marketing rollout of that. Um, We've also implemented StayFi in all of our units so that we collect email addresses as they log into our Wi-Fi so that we have that. So I think that we're, we're, I think we're well positioned so that by the end of next year we'll be at 80 percent direct bookings
1: wow i love (laughs) and the flyer, i I gotta put the flyers i didn't do the flyers yet i gotta do that yeah
3: Yeah, we find that's a really great way because once they're in the unit they're having a great time many of them just don't know it's an option so we've gotten maybe 10 text messages of people saying oh i've had an awesome time here i saw the flyer on the fridge i'd love to come back and book directly next time
1: and you guys just put it in the fridge. Do you guys put it like in a laminate, something laminate? I thing?
3: laminate it, put it in the fridge, but then I also keep
0: extra ones on the counter so that they can take them. Um, I thought about putting business cards in with that same information, but I just do flyers and it seems to work. Okay. Um, and then Maria had a great idea and it's working well. Um, she said, let's, when in one of the welcome messages, um, we use smart b and for welcome messages, but one of the messages um, is, hey, you know. Um, share a photo or video on one of our you know, Instagram or Facebook pages and we'll give you $5 back on your, on your say. So now we've got people posting that, you know, great time, had a great time in, in St. Augustine, and then we give them five bucks. So that's just to help us build our content on social media.
1: Oh, content and you. Okay. That, that's a good idea. I love this.
3: Yeah. It creates <laughs> a lot of touch points with, with the client that are outside of Airbnb and VRBO. So being able to engage with them through an Instagram message, I feel like that, that has a lot more um, conversion than it would be to just get an inquiry on Airbnb.
2: Wow. And you thought you were doing something, Micah.
1: I know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what, are you,
2: what are you doing?
3: What are you doing? Uh, no, that's, to
1: learn. that's why I love this podcast. because I've learned so much. You know? I've learned so
0: much from you guys. I started listening to you right at, when COVID hit and I've learned several things. It's every I, I listen to you guys when I run in the mornings and <laughs> I come back and I write down all my notes. So thank
1: you. I'm happy we were able to help. But yeah, I love that, you know, because I've been um, I just got my direct book inside up about a couple months ago. I've only got three direct bookings coming in so far but okay. i haven't been advertising it like that i've just been using facebook ads things like that but the whole leaving flyers i, I was thinking to do that i'm like i gotta do that um oh, yeah, yeah and i got kind of got kind of very weary of how i communicate with the guests um you know because Airbnb's starting to crack down on the direct bookings and they were like hey if we catch you doing this so i'm had, i'm now i'm only using texting yeah. I get their cool direct email because you know if they use the Airbnb email, they see that and they're ban- banning people. Um, and one of my friends just got banned. So I was like, okay. So I- I'm loving the way you guys are doing it. I- I'm really learning a lot. That's, that's awesome. And-, and how easy was StayFi to set up? I've heard people use it, but I've- I StayFi
0: is, I mean, I'm not technologically oriented at all and it did it myself. It's very easy. You just buy an access point and you can do it directly through their website. The guy, Arthur, is fantastic. He- it's a one-man show right now. He is very accessible. In fact, he helps you out on weekends because I, I, that's when turnovers are for us. And so um, he makes sure it's up and running, but you literally just plug the access point into the back of the motor around him and you plug it into the wall and it works. And what I love about it is one, it doesn't require a password. And so it's just one less thing that the, that the guest doesn't have to remember and you don't have to put the note in. And so you, you're capturing Everybody in the unit that's using Wi-Fi, not just not just the person that booked, and especially in the condos that we're in, anybody that wants to hop in on our network in adjoining condos, we are also capturing their email addresses. So it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. Wish I had known about it years ago. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was this your podcast when I first learned of Safe. Mm-hmm. But fantastic. It's Four dollars a month per access point which is nothing to be able to get the email addresses and then you just go on the dashboard and you can see what unit they booked what the email address is what their name was you download it to a CVS file and you can and then they have probably Maria, how many different platforms they integrate with 15 or 20 different platforms yeah and they're gonna add um, texting platforms right now it's all email based but they're gonna add texting platforms that
3: it integrates with as well
2: so, do you know offhand, like if anybody, like, like you said, was staying in the condo with the primary um, guest that got, you know, um, ads from, from you guys, not ads, well, you know, promotions from you guys about the condo? Did any of them actually oh, stay book? with you? Yeah, book.
0: Marie, I, you have to check. I don't know.
3: Because I see the back end of Safi. I'm not sure. Yeah, we did, did just launch this this month. So, okay. um, we're still building up the touch points with people using these um, email lists.
2: Oh, nice, nice. One question, uh, you know, we hop around a lot. Um, St. Augustine does is that like a is that a seasonal type um, environment, or do they? Is it pretty much open all year round, kind of?
0: Well, in normal years, it's um, it's kind of strange. It's summer when kids are out of school. You have a snowbird season, which is January through March, and so historically, pre-COVID, we would get snowbirds um, staying one to two months in each of our places at a lower, a slightly lower rate. Um, but then they have um, events and festivals and night of lights and things like They've got this amphitheater that brings um, you know, nationally recognized artists in. So there's always something going on that people are coming for. They even come for Bike Week, which is in Daytona, but Daytona fills up. So they back up and come into St. Augustine. So, um, so if you had like a long, if you had a, um, I don't think it's as seasonal as people perceive it to be. And then on the sale, on the real estate sales side, um, there is a little bit of a season for some reason, like in our market in Gainesville, it really starts um, February, March, and it goes pretty strong. It, it's delayed over in St. Augustine. It tends to happen after Easter. Then you start seeing the sales season start. I'm not sure why it's delayed, but it is.
2: Okay, and how, you know, another question, how, how expensive is it to get a unit down there?
0: So it depends on how you get them. Um, so I paid, these are, these are micro. I mean, these are 340 square feet, one bedroom, one bath, living room, kitchenette. The reason, and we bought them there, it's zoned as a condo hotel. And there's about 140 units in this building. they are literally steps from the beach and you can't find, I don't think there's any other place in Crescent beach, St. Augustine area, where you can get a one night minimum rental. Most people require a minimum of three nights stay, and they're pet friendly. So it's got a very specific niche and a lot of people all over the country know about it, come back year after year because because of that. And so it it makes it very affordable for some people who can't afford a week long vacation and they want direct ocean front. So to answer your question, we have paid any right now we've paid anywhere from about 180 for a unit and i've paid as much as 240. you know if i wait for it to hit mls you tend to pay a little more but we also proactively solicit and try to see if anybody wants to you know come forward and raise their hand so i've sent out probably four sets of letters um, to to the mailing addresses of everybody that owns the units because most of them rent and they don't live anywhere near there. And then we also do slide broadcast. You guys familiar with slide broadcast? Hmm. What's that? So slide broadcast, it's a great tool. Um, We use it on the real estate side too. So on the real estate side, for example, if you have a buyer and they want a certain neighborhood and there's nothing for sale in that neighborhood, you can do a slide broadcast to everybody in the neighborhood and say, "Hey." I've got a buyer that wants to live in Tana example. That's a na- neighborhood in our County. Um, do you know anybody, do, do you or any of your neighbors want to sell? Do you know anybody that wants to sell in your neighborhood? What SlideDial Dial does, it's a phone, you it's you buy it, but you it's a phone number, you you call the number on your cell phone, you record your own message. So you say, hey, um, hey guys. Um this is Betsy from Pepeen Realty. I've got a buyer, wants to live in Tanateoga. Do, do you know anybody that's looking to, buy or to sell in your neighborhood? If so, please give us a call. That will then ring to everybody's telephone number that you've uploaded. It rings their phone once, and then it goes directly to voicemail. Even if they pick up on that first ring, it's going directly to voicemail, and it leaves a message. And on their phone, it says missed call from Betsy. So it's a way to massively communicate with people if you're trying to get some information. So you can do that on this too. So we can slide broadcast to everybody in this condominium and say, hey, are you interested in selling your condo? If we can get people to come forward before they talk to a realtor, then we can buy it direct. Um, So some I would say most of my units I bought that way, finding them through not waiting for them to hit MLS. But a couple of the units I have done it through MLS.
2: Nice, and what about when, when COVID hit? Was there a lot of people wanting to sell?
0: No, no. Um, the same three units that were on the market pre-COVID, they're actually still on the market. Now, we don't, we're not seeing a lot of people wanting to buy there right now. Um, so those three units are still on the market. Um, and we, we've thought about purchasing them, but I, don't, I feel like they're too high for, the lack of updating. So we're we're waiting for something else.
2: Now what about uh is there like a good arbitrage game over there? Are people are you able to rent something and then put it on, you know, short term?
0: Um you I'm sure you could. That's not something that we've explored.
2: We've,
0: okay. We've always bought and then done it ourselves, but um I've got interestingly we have a client in Gainesville who, um, is doing it that on the commercial side. So we find him properties. um, usually they're anywhere from four to eight, a four to eight room office complex, you know, inside a building and then he takes out the lease and then he finds tenants for each of the offices. So he's got three properties right now. And, um, he gets them for about 1800, 1850 a month. And he grosses about 36, 36. 3650 a month.
2: Mm, nice. Mm-hmm.
0: And he takes he's a um he has his own office and he does his massage sports therapy out of that office. So it pays for his office plus he
1: rents out the rest.
2: Cool. Wow. Micah, you got any questions? Like
1: <laughs> oh, you were saying the uh average you you were buying them at one eighty to two forty. What's mm-hmm. like and you said you're allowing one that stays, right? Mm-hmm. So what's like the average nightly price that someone pays for like 340 square feet?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, we have found it's, you know, it's heads and beds. They don't care about the square footage. And so that's why they don't have two bedrooms in this complex, but I wouldn't buy them even if they did, because I'm not going to be able to get that incremental price out of it. Um, In fact, there's, there's two floor plans in this condominium complex. The vast majority of the units are 340 square feet. There's a handful that are 450 square feet, but nobody will pay more for those on an Airbnb market. And they go for a lot higher. So from an investments perspective, it's not worth it to buy the larger unit because people just want one bedroom. You know, one they want the beds and heads. So they all sleep four people, Every all the units have a pullout couch in the living room. So um, I would, it depends, average, Price would probably be including fees, because we do charge, I know there are people who don't like to charge fees. We, do, we are the opposite, we do charge fees. So we charge an early check-in fee, a late check-out fee, we charge a $25 inconvenience fee if the cleaners have to wait. We had a problem with that where you know, it's a, you check out at 10 o'clock if you're not out at 10, and the cleaners have to sit there and wait for a half an hour, we're gonna charge you. Um, and then we have a pet fee of $50. Um, I think those are all the fees, right, Maria? Yes. Yeah.
3: So with with fees, I would think the average night's stay. What do you think, Maria? One thirty? It's between it's between one hundred nine and one thirty nine, depending on um, depending on the time of year and the whatever day it is. But we've also tried to integrate Price Labs into some of our listings. Um, I think especially when we saw with COVID, when when reservation um, trends were kind of we couldn't rely on historical data anymore. We were looking at something like uh, price labs to help us uh, integrate some dynamic pricing. So we have that up on two of our units right now, and we're testing it out to see how it affects us um, because we do have high occupancy, and historically we've competed on being affordable. Um, so we've gotten really high occupancy, and so we're interested to see how that's going to change once we integrate price labs more.
1: Cool. Okay, and, and I, I know you guys said pet fees. Um, Have you ever got tried without pets and with pets and kind of compared the occupancy on that?
0: Um, That's a great question. So this condo, condo condominium complex is kind of known to be pet friendly. So we haven't integrated that. In both of the homes, we have two single family homes. We do not allow pets in those. Um, And I thought as a pet lover and owner, I thought that would be a hindrance to bookings. And it hasn't been. Um, I don't, I don't know that we've ever, well, we don't know. I mean, maybe there's people who just don't even look at us because we don't have pets, but the people who have said, Hey, can I bring my dog? And we say, no, they still book with us. So we have not found that to be a hindrance, but it may be in this condominium complex where it is a little bit known to be pet friendly. Okay.
1: Cause I, I have, I have a single family home and a bunch few condos. Um, now my single family, I just let someone in with a pet who's staying a month. But he was like, hey, I promise he'll be outside. You know, which he has been. And I I was just kind of, you know, kind of gazing at, maybe I should put pet friendly on there.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: just don't I just don't, you know, people have pet allergies, things like that. And I was just saying if you guys kind of compared, you know, hey, if we do allow pets, maybe we can, you know, charge that extra pet fee and maybe it's worth it.
0: Yeah, we haven't had I was worried about the damage and we haven't had any in the four years, we haven't had any damage from pets a lot of the the biggest nuisance is some some dogs are hairier than others and shed more and so it's getting that dog hair up between turnovers Mm -hmm. Um, but that would be I think the only kind of maintenance issue
3: we've had with pets
1: so far Do you
0: guys it's you like of our
3: happy? largest fees that are requested people i think it's also a fee that people are really willing to pay if they're if they mm-hmm. want to bring their pet they'll allow it uh, and we've also it's this is a cool idea that my mom had but we are considering maybe charging an incremental fee based on how many pets you have um but it it leads to a lot of revenue for us i would say it's at least 700 dollars a month just from pet fees in these units mm-hmm. so it can add up
2: oh yeah that's not yeah, that's a good deal right there. Yeah. Cuz actually my co-host um she she suggested against pets because she uh them damaging the sheets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if I'm making 700 bucks, I can get some new sheets not too, <laughs> for like, you know, 50 bucks. Um so real quick, um uh, Maria, the um the art of co-hosting. How what makes a good co-host? What, I mean, what what have you tried and, and it's and it's succeeded and tried and failed at? I mean, what, yeah, what makes it, the art of co-hosting, explain that to us.
3: The, what, what makes a good co-host? I think a good co-host understands the needs of the host. So whether that means just being a support to help with communication, or if that host wants to be completely hands-off, that co-host really needs to understand that relationship. Um, but that's all really it takes. There hasn't been any huge failures. Um, I, it really has not been at all as stressful or there's been no obstacles in just, just taking over the operations for people.
0: I think one thing is that, um, and I think sometimes we lose sight of it, but how much, especially when you first start, it's, there's not like a central repository of all this information. And so um, I know Maria spends a lot of time educating the people on the process, And more importantly, I think the resources that are available, all the different platforms and systems that you can implement to make everything more um, simplified. Um, And I think that's probably your biggest value um, to helping somebody, like especially when they're brand new, they don't know how to pay taxes, they don't know what permits they have to apply for. Um, They're so afraid of um, you know, HOA rules and things like that. And so having somebody to support you through that process and help you navigate through your own County, I think is really helpful.
2: Oh yeah. Big time. Just putting your, um, putting the owner at ease, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So, so as a co-host, what, cause I know if you're a co-host, you're, you're technically hands on, but what, what systems have you put in place as a co-host to make your job easier and, you know, make yeah. it better?
3: Um, getting onto SmartBnB was a godsend. Um, I was managing multiple different AirbnB profiles across AirbnB and VRBO and booking.com. Um, and so that was becoming a, a lot for me to try to manage all of those conversations across all of those profiles. So having a, a service that integrates all of those was a huge game changer. Um, automating a lot of communication was also a huge thing for us. Um, that was something that even when we had 10 properties between my mom that I was managing, we were still handling all guest communication manually, which was just such a time um, drain on our resources. So, being able to um, automate check-in information dispersal, about information about pet fees, um, booking confirmation messages, that was also made my job so much easier. Um, and as we are getting our direct booking website up to. Um, keeping some of that, and keeping some of guest conversations in uh, text and emails can also help kind of keep things organized um, as we try to manage these two different um, reservation streams. We're so also so integrating the August lock systems into our unit so that we have the
0: ability to um, do remote um, opening and closing of the doors for the tenants should they lock themselves out, lose a key, things like that. So that's been helpful and also
3: um, integrating some of the Nest thermostats um, in our units to have better control of the utility bills. It's also been great to have a service um, that allows cleaners to be a little bit more informed about um, calendars. Like we have, we have cleaners that manage multi- multiple of our units. Um, and so having them be on our team on Smart BNB to view our calendar and kind of access information that way was also a huge, a huge point of efficiency for us.
1: And another question, because you guys created your own direct booking website. Is that direct booking website, can you link your calendar over to Airbnb? or? Yes. Okay, and then my next question, because this is an issue I'm running into with my direct bookings, the three that I had. Um, I use turnover b and for cleaning, so my cleaners mm-hmm. get them. But I had to have someone manually go in and create the cleaning on turnover B&B. How are your, how are your guests, your cleaners and your staff being informed after the direct booking.
3: Yeah. So you can set, um, just like you can set a messaging rule to guests, you can set, um, operations rules to your team members. Um, so it's not just for cleanings. If you have a, a, an Airbnb that, you know, there's somebody who manages a check-in part or any sort of that reservation process, you can disperse messages to those individuals too. Um, but once they come onto your team on Smartbnb, um, they can get a text message every time there's a new booking confirmation or an alteration request, um, that tells them what date they need to clean. And then they can also just access the calendar at any time. We also recently set up another reminder that goes directly to their phones instead of an email um, that reminds them that they need to clean that day. So at 7 a.m., they're reminded of all of the units that need to be cleaned for that day because, um, as I said, we do have many units. And so it can be a little bit challenging to kind of manage all these reservations, and all these cleanings at once. Um, So being able to automate that process so we didn't have to keep um, communicating that is just huge for us.
2: I love it. And what percentage do you charge uh, the to to be the co-host?
3: Um, it depends on the client and what they need. Um, I am hesitant to set just straight fees because like every listing every host is really different. Um, there have been people who want me to be, they want me to be completely hands-on, handle everything from the finances to all the reservations to guest communication to cleaning and maintenance, that would be a little bit higher. Um, but I have other people that are just interested in me handling all communication. And for that, um, at, the, at the level of um, listings that I have, it would be pretty incremental for me. So I would charge something lower. But each, um, each that's a different conversation between every host, depending on what they specifically are looking to grow and what they need in terms of uh, help on their team.
2: Okay, could you give me like a little like a baseline? Ten percent to twenty-five, I don't know.
3: Anywhere from ten to twenty-five percent.
2: Okay. I yeah, I hit it right on the head.
0: (laughs) One thing that we um we we haven't figured out, I would love your thoughts on is um how to systematize and systematize and scale maintenance. Um, you know, we've got 10 units, nine of them are all within, I mean, eight are in one building, one is a mile away. And we have not created a good system for maintenance. And so I was just telling Maria, I said maybe we hire a handyman, you know, every other Friday, goes to all the units, fixes everything that's non-emergent, and then we have the one-offs when there's an emergency. But it just seems like we're constantly having to pay someone to come out, pay a fee that probably we don't need to incur because we don't have a relationship set with somebody on a regular basis. But wondered if you had heard of how people manage that once they start getting up there in property count, would love to figure that piece out.
1: What I'm doing right now is I have a maintenance guy. Um, Mike, right now we have a, one of our places, we have a washer machine that's leaking. Um, he's gonna come out and fix it. Uh, his standard fee is like 60 bucks to come out. And that's all he's going to charge us because he knows we give him work on top of work, you know. And he's, mm-hmm. he's a plumber; he does plumbing, electricity, pretty much the whole. He's a full blown handyman. Um, mm-hmm. What happens is if we have a problem, our cleaner informs the uh, our cleaner informs the handyman of something is going is mm-hmm. going wrong. And speaking of like scaling for each unit, I'm actually just getting into that. I just got QuickBooks Bu- Quick Plus to mm-hmm. get classes. So I, now I'm starting to scale for each unit. Okay, this is the maintenance that's going on over here. And I'm starting to, you know, kind of be able to decipher what's going to be happening and going on. That's a really good question because that's something I'm just now getting into.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's great.
1: Yeah.
0: I like, though, that you, you, I didn't think about that. But having the cleaner go directly to the maintenance person and cut you out, which I love. Yeah. Um, so that's something that we could do, right? <laughs> yeah. and,
1: and that's actually something mm-hmm. I want to tell people. If you get a good cleaner, like I have one really good cleaner that I have here, um, she'll buy sheets for us. She'll buy it and she'll just, hey, this is how much it was. She'll send us the receipt. If you can get a cleaner who's really, really hands-on and loves mm-hmm. doing it, it makes it a whole, lot easier, a whole
0: mm-hmm.
3: lot
1: easier. Like we we just had someone check out of our condo. It's a corporate rental. This guy was there a year and a half. Oh wow! He went over there, restocked it, sent me the receipt on how much everything was, cleaned it. And we don't have to worry about it. She scrubbed the floors, made sure everything nice. did everything, and you know, that. And then if something's broke, she'll let us know.
0: Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cool. I um the units I, I you know I had two units here close by before the cities ended up banning them, but I I just had a I, luckily I have a good plumber and um a good AC guy and um that can do a little bit of handiwork too. So that I mean, like I said, there's no perfect I. Not yet a perfect way to do it. We interviewed a guy a long time ago, right, um, right, Micah, that he was doing something like that, where he's like handyman on call kind of thing. Uh,
1: yeah, um, there's Homie, H O M E E. That is like the site that uh, it's a little, what is an app, and it's kind of like, like if you got something broke, a handyman will come out to you, and he, they charge by the little, whatever charge rate they have on Homie. It's like an I'm... Airbnb for handyman. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah. Cause they bid, they bid on your job and then they come out and you rank them and stuff like that. So I, I haven't used them yet, but uh, it I seems like them, a cool concept.
1: Yeah. I used them one time. I uh, remember I used it at the very beginning. I wasn't too thrilled with it, but I'm pretty sure they fixed all the kinks with it. Like, you know, let, let's say he's working on something. He can pause the job, come back to it. And it was like, okay. Like I was waiting 45 minutes for this guy to get parts and stuff. And it was, you know, I, 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 my suggestion to it back then was, Hey, just make sure you get some certified people in there. You know what I mean? So but yeah.
2: now, now I have thought of this cause like, um, this house that, that we live in now, I we purchased it last year and it came with American American home shield and I'm sure you've dealt with them a lot. And, um, and so, luckily, I mean, they fixed two of my AC units, and it cost seventy five bucks for them to come out each time, and it saved me like seven thousand dollars. So it's been working for me. And um, so, and I, I, I contemplated like, should I put that on my Airbnbs, on my rentals? Should I put Home Shield on them? And then, you know, to come out seventy five. But the only problem with Home Shield is those the mechanics will get there when they get there, kind of thing. Yeah so they'll be there it might it might take a day or two to come out it depends on what the problem is like right now it's, it's ac season so it might be like he <laughs> might be like number 20 on their list so I, I don't think it would work very well at that but um if someone comes up with a home shield for str you know rentals it might be a, a profit yeah
1: yeah because american home shield it's it, it saved me a few times not with my airbnbs with my personal properties like for one i live in here yeah they will come out for pretty cheap i think mine's like 50 bucks or 75 something like that and that, that's, that's- great you can easily write that off. And I think that's what, I think that's what homie was going for, but I think they just have to work out the kinks, but it, it was a, it was a good idea. The idea of it is great. Awesome. Yeah.
2: Cool. This has been a great interview. We a lot of, we're, we're like humming through it. Yeah. Uh, you got, you got some more questions, Micah?
1: Not, a, yeah, I have a few. Um. Okay. I asked, did I ask you about, yeah, I asked you about the pet fees. Cause that was my biggest thing about allowing pets. Um, Stayfi and Stayfi, it's just a little box right you said it's a, it's a little
0: round or white round access point box um, you just plug it into I mean it's so simple you plug it into the wall you plug it into the back of the router and then they just use you know we just call it for us a guest and that's the name of the network there's no password it's open to anybody that wants to jump on it so we get their email
3: yeah okay
2: all right all right Betsy um so you, you in your, in your bio, you said you started off your um, your brokerage like right after the the recession right mm-hmm. and so and so you know I'm sure it was a lot of hurdles and stuff and, and and a lot extra red tape because of the recession. but do you see similarities in what's happening right now and, and how do you suggest people go and start like a business during a, a downturn
0: well yeah. This is not the same as what we went through in 2008 um, with regards to housing. In 2008, the housing market led us into a recession, okay? This recession had nothing to do with the housing market. The housing market is keeping the economy afloat in what's happening to the rest of the economy. Um, And the reason for that is we, we have such a depletion of inventory right now keeping prices across the country high. We have homeowners who are no longer having almost no equity in their homes. We're at an all time high in the percentage of equity that homeowners have in their home. So they're not in jeopardy, most homeowners are not in jeopardy of losing their home and not having equity in their home. They weren't, you know, in 2008, they were using their homes as an ATM machine. They learned from that. And so we're in a, such a different position now than we are then. And housing, we believe, is going to be um, helping us um, stay, keeping this recession not as bad as it could be. Um, Housing prices are still up about 5% year over year. Uh, We do not see that changing because of the low inventories across the board. Um, I've always told people, at least in, in my, I've only had two professions. I used to be in pharmaceutical marketing and now I'm in real estate, but I don't look at what the industry is doing. Because it, it usually doesn't have a reflection on my work. Um, in real estate, you know, the 80-20 rule applies. It's really like 90-10. So 90% of real estate is sold by 10% of the agents. There's plenty of business for anybody that wants to work hard in any market. Our numbers have, you know, rose every year throughout the recession. Um, because you, if you're willing to work hard, the business is there. So I wouldn't, we don't worry so much. I wouldn't, I would counsel somebody who's interested in opening a business. Don't be worried so much about what the larger market's doing. As long as you know, if you're passionate about it and you have a solid business plan, in general, I think you're gonna be okay. Um, so that's at least in, in real
2: estate. Okay, that makes sense. And uh, so I'm hearing that a lot of people are just aren't paying their mortgages though. Is that a, you see a, like a big reckoning happening?
0: No, I mean, we own a mortgage company, and we're not seeing that. Um, okay. Yeah, we're not. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, the the $600, the unemployment checks have stopped, and I don't know what's going to happen without the next stimulus package being passed. Um, but right now, we're not seeing a flood of foreclosures. We're anticipating that.
1: And I never thought about that because me and Steve, when everything happened, we talked, we've interviewed lenders, we've interviewed, you know, people concerning forbearances. And I was, I never really thought, you know, people are getting $600 extra a week. Plus, I think, was it 70% of what they were making when they were working? That really did, I never thought about that probably did keep a lot of people with their homes because a lot of these people are making more than what they were making (laughs) on their job. So, that was an interesting thing too. I think me and Steve, I think we were predicting, hey, maybe 2021, the people who are in forbearances, maybe a lot of people didn't take those forbearances because they could afford, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's interesting how real estate has kept everything. It, it's been going up this whole time. So, yeah.
2: So yeah, so don't be scared, Micah. Oh, I'm not <laughs> I'm buying everything right now. Buying the block.
0: We had people that interestingly, using forbearance. Um, they go into forbearance, and then they try to get a loan. And you can't, if, if you're in forbearance, you can't you to get a
1: loan, and I don't think people realize that. And, and uh, It's funny, uh, Wells Fargo was putting everyone in forbearance, and I'm happy I just financed my mortgage away from them uh they were putting everyone in forbearance and when i was trying to actually refinance they were like oh your mortgage is in forbearance you got to call them and get it out i was like what yeah. i didn't know that so yep. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah Wells Fargo. I've, everyone who's been listening yeah make sure it's not in forbearance they probably put yeah. it in there yeah a lot of people didn't
0: realize they they were in forbearance
2: yeah that's that doesn't sound like wells fargo to do something shady like that <laughs> 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 Wow. So um, do you see, do you see any like amazing, like untapped opportunities out there, like right now in this environment? Untapped
0: opportunities.
2: I know it's a vague question, but like, uh, yeah, it's a vague question, sorry.
0: You
2: mean like in real estate? Like in real estate or STRs or yeah, stuff like that. I like the idea
0: and I, I really like the idea. So when we are in COVID, I mean, we still are, but. You know, in the midst, in the heart of it, um, I had several people asking. <laughs> I thought it was so sweet. I had one lady call in an Airbnb before, and so she booked it. And then she's like, "You know, when do I have to leave?" And I said ten. And she's like ten at ten p.m. I said no, ten a.m. She's like, "What do you mean?" And she's, I said, "And well, the next morning, she's like, I get to spend the night." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." So she was, so I, I was totally, I didn't even, I was just so surprised. Well, she was booking it for her one year old daughter's birthday party at one o'clock that afternoon. Just a venue to have a birthday party child. And then I had another um, lady contact me and she wanted to have a small private school violin recital. And they didn't have anywhere to go because all the places were shut down. So she wanted to rent my living room for two hours. So there's that site, I believe it's called GLOBE that I put us on, that GLOBE rents your place by the hour. GLOBE? <laughs> it's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's called GLOBE. I'll, I'll email you if it's not GLOBE. I'm pretty sure it's called GLOBE. And we just put our, 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 our list, well we're just trying one listing, the house, and that it's, it's for that, and they're saying that, um, so you've got all these dual income families, and even not dual income families, working from home, They're on each other's nerves. So you've got one adult in the house, goes and rents another house for a couple of hours just to escape. Um, There was a story of a guy who lives in a condo and he bought a condo below him to use as his home home office because he just needed an escape. So I do think there's this market for people. I had a lady, we do Airbnb seminars at a real estate company and a lady I, we were asked about experiences and she rented a Airbnb for her two daughters and her to have movie day because it had a great movie like blackout shades and a movie projector and they just rented it for the afternoon and brought their movies. So I do think and I do believe that people you know 15% of workers worked from home prior to COVID. 60% of people are working from home now I don't think we'll ever go back to 15% in the new normal. So, I do believe there's gonna be some demand for this kind of by the hour, by the afternoon or whatever rental, which would be the answer to your question. What are the untapped opportunities? I think that would be one.
1: I 100% agree. Um, I, I couldn't believe peer space took a huge dip. But, I mean, was it, was it peer space, the one where you can go rent the offices or whatever? uh I don't know. we work or whatever i think oh we cool. work yeah we i work. think they took a dip but i could see them going really really high if they just host office space like hey if you need a in person meeting or if someone wants to get away i could see that really taking off just like people are booking airbnbs for violin recitals whatever it is i think mm-hmm. definitely agree that that is an untapped market right now i
2: think yeah, so. oh, good right. oh i was just oh, going to that- say <laughs>
0: I was just thinking another opportunity, I think. So we have this housing shortage across the country. COVID has um, made businesses realize that they don't need large offices. People are as productive or more productive at home. They like to work at home. We're not gonna have a need for these gargantuan offices and even mid-sized offices. So we're gonna have a plethora of unused office space. So I think there will be a great need for and trend towards converting that office space into attached housing, which would then help us with our housing shortage in the nation. So I think that's also an untapped market.
1: So you can see a lot of commercial going, just housing residential. I can see mm-hmm. that too. Because I, I could see, I've actually noticed here in Arlington, a lot of commercial space is empty, leasing mm-hmm. signs up and out they've just been sitting there and it's, just, it's crazy. Like I've seen gas stations up in North Arlington shutting down. So it's commercial space is about to, I think it's going to shift. Yeah.
2: Scoop them up Micah and then start putting, start making condos out of them.
1: <laughs> Condo tails, we could.
0: <laughs> well, and then there's, there's another, the other thing I'm curious to say, I'd love to see us in the future 20 years, but there is this notion that the way we live today is not going to, be the way we live in 20 years and that because we're going to be such a mobile society, people working from home, people working in other countries, you know, remotely, um, you don't need to have a permanent home base. And so the Airbnb type model, whatever we call it, is going to be the norm and suburbia is going to be very, um, the minority and it's almost going to be pushed to the side. If you want to choose that lifestyle, fine, but you got to go live over here in the outskirts and that. Most people are going to be living in this. You know, I'll live in Fiji for a couple months or a year. Then I'm going to move the family here, and then here, and here, and so that would be interesting to see to what extent that comes to fruition.
1: And I think we are starting to live in a more nomadic society. I think, and I think Airbnb is kind of encouraged it. it, it I find people who just rent rooms on Airbnb, stay, and then go somewhere else. And especially now with remote work, like I have a friend who's been. The last six months he's been remote and he's been traveling the whole time. You know, he's, he's in New York, he's in Seattle, you know, it, it, it's just kind of shifting. I could definitely see that. Everything's starting to shift. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This has been a great interview. We appreciate y'all for hopping on. Um, y'all got any, um, um, Mar- Maria, you got any tips or pointers for people who want to get into the co-hosting business?
3: Um, no, just find opportunity, look for hosts who are looking to build their portfolio and can use a little extra help on things that you can, um, that you can meet. That's all it is.
2: Your, your answers are so, um, concise. You're, you're very good at that. <laughs> your, your mom will answer something, you know, about 30 minutes later. And then you yeah. <laughs> no it's a good, it's just a different style. And then, and then
3: a lot of experience. She's got a lot to share.
2: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, this has been a this has been a lot of fun having y'all both on. It's cool seeing it, you know, keeping it in the family. And y'all are, um, yeah, real estate's contagious thing, and it's 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 really cool to yeah you know, to watch the next generation carry the torch, and, and yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh,
3: having us. thanks for having us. This has been so fun. Yeah.
2: Where, you, where can folks find y'all? Where could they hit you up?
0: Where you want to share with them our direct booking website and.
3: Yes, absolutely. It's called um, St. Augustine. Oh, wait, I'm trying to find, pull up the exact um, the exact link. It's called St. Augustine Beachers Rentals, Beach Rentals by Owner.com. So St. Augustine Beach Rentals by Owner.com. You can also find us on Facebook um, at the same name, or you can go up, find us on Instagram at, at Beachers Lodge Rentals.
2: Beachers Lodge Rentals. Cool. Mm-hmm. So y'all can find me a spot over there in St. Augustine.
3: Absolutely, anytime. Just please book with us directly.
2: <laughs> I like to.
1: I definitely will.
2: <laughs> well, thanks for hopping on, ladies. Y'all are awesome, and uh, we look forward to maybe chatting with y'all again in the future. See how things are going. Thanks,
3: guys. Thanks. Have a great night.
2: You too. You too. Bye.
1: All right, that was episode one thirty-two. I got a lot out of that um i ha- i actually wrote down a few things on my to do list um i'm definitely going to be putting some flyers in my units um i'm going to check out stay i'm going to go ahead and start doing this stuff get stay in there you know see if i can get that done um there was a few other things she said i think i wrote down but yeah I- that was a good that was a good episode really good
2: episode yeah i'm going to make my um Make my co-host listen to that episode. <laughs> Not that I bother them already enough, but we'll talk about on the next episode how my experience with that is going so far. So. Yeah,
1: we'll talk about it on episode one thirty three. Yeah, we'll uh, talk about it. But yeah, you guys can catch us on livletthrive You can go to IG live, let thrive. um We're on TikTok tough at livletthrive. So IG TikTok everywhere, anywhere you can think of, we're there. Facebook, Instagram, all that. Um, follow us oh yeah by the way if you want to get your health and fitness game together be sure to follow mahogany artist on ig she has all the fitness game health nutrition get you all together and we are out
2: later peace
0: thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of live let thrive be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of airbnb and all that entails bye-bye